Hello and welcome. It's episode 12, episode 12 of the 90 Day Website Mastery Podcast. How are you? We're glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. This is, we are celebrating the launch of our new program and the completion of the website best practice webinar series. We wanted to find a way to continue to share more advice and insights about making your website work harder and for you to feel proud again of your website. I've got the great Pascal Fintoni with me. How are you, Pascal? I'm very well. Do you know, this is like something I look forward to. Not just spending time in your company, of course, but talking about websites, looking at projects we're working on and sharing practical advice. It's becoming ever more so important to manage that online reputation. It certainly is. And to help people navigate and to ultimately get them to feel proud of their website. We have, each episode has four segments. So we take you through the You Ask, We Answer, where we take a, a subject that's been potentially uh, submitted by the community or we've researched online and we dissect it. We've got website stories where there's an article or a podcast or a video that myself or Pascal has found uh, and we per give you our take on it. We have the website engine room where both my myself and Pascal suggest an app that might make your life easier as a website manager and website content creator. And finally, of course, the website call to action. One change or adjustment that you should be making to your website right now. So without further ado, we'll drop straight into You Ask, We Answer. So thank you very much again, Johnny, for this great introduction and overview about the podcast and the program. For episode 12, the question actually came about during a recent website workshop I was kind of facilitating. And a client of mine is going to move on to their fifth or sixth website during the, the kind of the duration of the existence of the business. And they were just about to cut corners just because, you know, it's familiar eventually to be launching a website and so on. And I was kind of pushing the designers to start from the very beginning, get the overview, get the requirements and start with the website wireframes. And as I, as I use those terms, Johnny, there was either um, eyes being rolled around the room, thinking, oh, here we go again, website wireframes, or people actually not sure about what they were. And I said, well, actually, they are there, very important. So the question for episode 12, Johnny, is what are wireframes, and do they really help? Well, I think... Uh, the problem without having a website wireframe is that you don't know where to start in terms of what looks right and what and and, and how things are laid out. In fact, I'll tell you, we're in the middle of uh, doing a, a, a new kitchen, okay? And it's a bit like trying to build a kitchen without doing some kind of design first. Where where do we want the appliances? Where do we want the sink? Where do we want the hob? Where do we want the cooker? How's how are we going to have that magic triangle? And it's and and for me, wireframes give you that ability to actually start thinking about how a website's even going to work. What the what what journey are you going to take people through? What's going to be the key sections of each page of each page what's going to be the prominent thing on the home page how are you going to lay the content out never mind what the content is never mind the imagery never mind the brand never mind the the wording 
it's all about the layout. How are you going to ensure that something looks in a in a that, that's going to guide people through the journey that you want to take them on? So wireframes are uh, uh, blank blank pieces of uh, of paper or, or digitally, of course, um, but with sort of uh, dummy content, dummy. Uh, segments, dummy uh, locations for different types of things. So maybe maybe where you might have buttons, where you ha might have a menu, where you might have uh, imagery, where you might have um, different services, different products across the, the the homepage as a starting point. I like the idea of the um, the kitchen design because without the plan, what you're describing is you know the people turning up with kitchen units and more and you on the day saying oh, i don't like it or discovering it's too big too small or the wrong color and this is just costing you a fortune money wise but also time wise um the other analogy that we could use um, of course i'm going to use that one is storyboarding for films it's a lot cheaper and easier to rub off you know a bit of uh, drawings in, in a little rectangle that you've done with your pencil than having to film yet you know a full scene for another day so for me the, what the wireframes do they invite reflection which is very very important they invite ideas but they also invite the client to ask questions because of course within that things are a little enigmatic or not clear and the designer can respond to those questions or be inspired by those questions to come up with, with solutions there's also an evolution because one of the reasons one of the individuals was knocking a wireframe is that the experience was a um, essentially sketches you know with just lines of different thickness Actually, but I still couldn't imagine the website so well there's there's iteration process so first you start with the outline and then you can layer it on with some prototype content. You call it dummy content, prototype content. So eventually, you, you're to a point where you visualize, you've reacted, and that becomes a visual brief for the designer to transform, essentially, with on a static uh, screen or printout, still like to use printouts, for it to become a series of code and exist for real uh, or virtually on, on the internet. So the wireframes, I can appreciate, perhaps, don't, don't feel like, it's exciting work or proper work, but without it, down the line, as you heard a moment with um, John's analogy with the kitchen, it's going to cost you a lot of time wasted and potentially money. Yeah, and it also helps you get clarity of the vision. Um, it helps you prioritize in terms of which elements should be where and what's the what's the key call to actions. Uh, and it, it's the working on the projects that we've worked on so many projects that we've worked on over the past without having a wireframe at the beginning and going straight into a design phase you really do uh, end up weeks into it thinking hang on a minute why have we got that there and why shouldn't that have been there and and it takes away that initial thought because the problem with going straight into design is that everyone's just looking at the colors and the style and the imagery and the wording. That's that's what happens. If you start showing a design, people latch onto, yeah, but I don't like that picture. I, I think I think we should be using a picture like this instead. But the, the point's been missed. The first step is where should the picture be? Never mind what the picture is. Mm, I like that. And you're right, because it's, it's all about... Uh, you know, a gathering of ideas and, and thoughts in a structured way to design that website experience so that your visitors 
uh, are well feel well looked after, which by extension give them ideas of trust and veracity in your claims, whether you're choosing words, pictures, or, or videos. So, for people who that I met recently, uh, you can roll your eyes all you want, but we will continue to use wireframes. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Let's move, move on, on to our next segment, which is website stories. Now, for episode number 12, we've chosen a video. Uh, two things. This video gives you a bit of a lesson in content repurposing, as you'll hear in a moment, but also there are some great advice. So the video has a title of SEO Techniques to Boost Organic Traffic. And this is a video featuring Neil Patel, the co-founder of NP Digital. But when you look at the video, um, Johnny, it's clearly an extract from an interview. So Neil Patel was a guest on someone else's platform, and maybe months later, we give it permission to take an extract and literally re-edit it to music and with great overlays and, and transitions and so on, just to make a, a very, very important point. So lesson in that, you know, if any of you have been a guest, that could be in a written form, that could be in a podcast and a video, do talk to the um, organizers, you know, a month later, once, you know, the original work has, has had a chance to have the impact and look at repurposing and give full credit. But on this video, this is all, um, Neil Patel has asked a question, you know, if somebody is either newer to SEO or they feel like they've lost their way, what are the essential techniques that you should be concentrating on, particularly when time is, is against us? So the four that I've picked up from this video conversation, thanks to Neil Patel, is number one, there is definitely, both for the humans, if you will, visitors, but also search engine, uh, an appeal for recency of the content. So go back to your stats, go back to your dashboard, spot the high-performing, high-converting uh, web pages, and update the content. A minimum, uh, according to Neil Patel, this should be done quarterly to create a sense of recency. But I think for me as well, for returning visitors, the idea that it feels like you care about the website and that you take pride uh, about you know, its content and so on. So action number one. Action number two, it's about getting links, but do that more creatively. And is number one tactic, in addition to all the other ways which you can get links pointing back to your website and driving traffic, is to do a bit of research. Research online tools, online tools that are super um, kind of uh, efficient and impactful for, for your customers, and find a way to create a free-of-charge version. doesn't have to narrowly, directly complete. It could be a good solution, but look at what people are using uh, and find interest in as an online tool that they're prepared to pay for. And can you release a free version as a PR stunt and attract the interest of platforms that review uh, online tools and more and get those backlinks? Number three, look at partnership. And the idea being here, be careful. We all spend far too much time looking down at our keyboard to come up with content, but look around. Your services and products will complement someone else's services and products. Can you work in partnership and co-create content, maybe packages of online experiences? And number four, which I thought was really quite interesting, would be to target international audiences where there would be less competition for your content in terms of its visibility using a local network. And I think the logic could extend to necessarily international uh, audiences, but you could maybe find a different part of the UK or a different um, 
you know, ecosystem on Facebook. So you could be looking at how do people kind of organize themselves and would you be better off, you know, finding ways to get your content in those networks as opposed to trying to compete against the vast, vast network out there. So four tactics to which are under the label of SEO to boost your organic traffic. With um, updating content on a regular basis, I love Action One because content, you know, if a user potential target audience gets to the website, they have to feel that it's relatable. It has to feel up to date. Um, and, uh, and if you can tie it into, uh, you know, even, even local, uh, uh, recent news stories or, or anything like that, especially on a conversion page, it gets across, um, that you're in the moment that you're, that, that it's relevant, that this is, something that is right right now and it's and, and this isn't dated it's not out of date now th there is a downside to that that if you do update it a bit too much and make it mm. too newsworthy then you're suddenly having to update it far too often so there's a balance but if you've got one particular conversion page that you might want to focus on um having something timely on there can make some big differences as long as you're updating it on a reasonably regular basis. So I, I really like that. Uh, links, uh, action two was all about links. And, and ultimately, whether we like it or not, uh, you know, Google still says, oh, it's not about links. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's about quality and everything else. It is about links. I mean, the, the data shows that it's about links. It's about the relevancy and it's about the trustworthiness of those links. Uh, and so it is about trying to find more creative ways of, of getting those links and resources has been proven to be uh, one of the, the ways that always works. Uh, I, I think working with in partnership uh, with people is always a great idea, uh, especially from a branding point of view. If you can find uh, a similar type of brand where you've got similar types of, uh, of audience, similar customers, um, and you can then cross sell. Uh, collabs are a, a brilliant way, and you see that you see that uh, with the the luxury high end retailers, how they use a listers and 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 all of those collabs on Instagram, for example. Um, so I think partnerships is is really important. And then uh, the target audience. I mean, local SEO. Yeah, that, that's there's some easy quick wins with local SEO, uh, and if you can be uh, if, if you can dominate in your local area or if you can uh, name local areas that you want to dominate in, it's so much easier dominating in, in local areas than it is worldwide, of course. So really great tips um, on a sort of going back to basics on how you're going to boost organic traffic. But isn't it interesting that an authority like Neil Patel, who's been working in the world of SEO from as, as long as I can remember, it was asked, you know, you give us your best top advice. And he came up with very practical, uh, sensible actions that we could all do, no matter our level of expertise when it comes to SEO and content marketing. Because the bottom line is this is all about common sense. And it's all about if you were Google, who would you rank and why would you rank? And, you know, the the, the power of links well, that says to Google that, you know, if you've got high authority, relevant links, it tells Google that there's a reason for that. If you've got up-to-date content, Google's way more interested. If you're partnering with another brand that Google likes, well, that's going to be given to you as well. And hyper-local, Google wants to serve relevant local information. If I search for a pizza restaurant, 
there's no point Google telling me about a fantastic restaurant in France if I'm currently in Leeds. What I like about the action number four is about targeting and knowing your audience and breaking down the audience perhaps more thoroughly than you've done to date. So you've got, you know, hyper-local, but also you could be very precise about the sector or the industry or the subsector within that industry and be really the authority within that. And then, as you was mentioning, you, you might find that, you know, in, in terms of content and reach and and visibility, perhaps indeed, you know, the English speaking language in the UK and in America, it's just done, you know, there's thousands of billions of pages, but you could be maybe a small number in Germany where, you know, as long as, of course, it makes sense for the German audience to know that because there would be people seeking out information in English because they want oddly that recency, they don't want to wait for it to be translated into German and, and fed down, down the line. So I think we'll be action for it's also about being little more uh, a little stricter with regard to audience profiling and so we so happen to have covered in episode number 11 about avatars and, and archetypes so yeah go back to that people yeah uh, I like it. We should remind you, if you're watching, if you're listening, that you can contact us at any time. If you want to uh, add a comment right now whilst we're live, uh, or perhaps you're listening afterwards, uh, watching afterwards, please do contact us if you've got any thoughts on this, any questions, anything in particular that you want us to uh, talk about in future episodes. We love talking to our community, do we not, Pascal? That's we do we indeed. On. We also like to give them work to do and th with that in mind we're going to move on to our next segment the website engine room In each episode, we'd love to recommend a new app, a new solution for you to try out that hopefully would make life easier as a website manager and content creator. So, Johnny, what is your selection for episode 12? Well, this is a bit weird because <laughs> <laughs> we always sort of bring these to the show without telling each other prior. And interestingly, our first topic was around wireframes. And the tool that has on, been on my radar recently is one called Framer.com. And Framer.com is a prototyping tool for interactive and animated UX designs. It's a great way to start coming up with some wireframes. What The reason it's been on my radar recently is because I am on a huge AI journey, which, you know, Pascal's fully aware of and uh, <laughs> uh, that has pros and cons of that. But it has recently... Uh, got AI built into it. And it just absolutely makes designs come alive. So it's all about being able to literally go to the tool um, and be able to add real data to be able to build responsive layouts, uh, dynamically animate elements. Uh, and it gives you that bridge between static designs and the final production code uh, and, and really makes it very easy to drag and drop and to move things around and to, to really bring something to life to help you uh, see what it could look like. What is interesting is we talked a lot about AI in the green room and on a regular basis when I get a very excited email from Johnny saying, I found something new to play with. And, and I'm trying to be the voice of reason. So I'll just slow down, you know. But no, you're absolutely right. Because what AI is doing very well, uh, as you know, I like to call it the, the digital assistant, is to vastly, vastly improve the richness and the usefulness of the research phase or the de deliberation phase. And this is an example of that, which is you get to the point where you're going to make better decisions 
thanks to how it accelerated the the creation of mock-ups to engage people and get a reaction from people. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely on my AI list. What is your website engine room uh, top app for today? Well, it is an AI-powered solution. I think it's difficult <laughs> to escape them at this moment in time. But this one is really, once again, inspired by the need for my customers to go back to long-form content creation. And there's almost a link we will be discussed in a moment to go with SEO techniques. And what I've said to them is because you spend so much time going for short-form content, sometimes it was social media because of microblogging, or sometimes because of the misunderstanding and misinformation about short is better, but not all of the time. You know, you have to be doing deep dive article, interviews, podcasts, and more. So I so say what you need to relearn is to give yourself a good brief internally. In fact, if you're using uh, third-party copywriters and content creators, they need a good brief from you. So the briefing stage is very, very important. It's almost like wireframe, isn't it? What are the sections, the, the headers, subheaders, and more of that article, that interview, that video before you even get started? And this platform called perplexity.ai, perplexity.ai, I love the term, allows you to ask a question. I'm about to write an article about this subject, can you please suggest the structure, the headlines, and subheadlines that I should consider to write a brief? So I actually put it to the test. I put together a, a bit of an instruction prompt. I prefer the term brief, as you know, where I was asking for the advice on perplexity.ai for a long-form article called What is SEO and How Does It Help My Website Perform Better? So I said, you know, I need to write this article. Can you suggest the headers and subheaders? And sure enough, I received a, um, a brief. What is lovely about perplexity, it writes it in a form of instructions. So he'll say to me, you need to define SEO and explain its purpose. He literally says, you have to explain the difference between on-page and off-page SEO. So he's using words like define, discuss, and all those things. Um, there's sections like how does SEO help the website perform better? And it's with a subject, discuss how SEO increases visibility, explain. And you've got all those action verbs that make it read and sound like an actual brief. And then you can either use it for inspiration for yourself, or of course, you can give it to uh, others to complete. Each of those um, kind of action phrases, like I provide tips for optimizing content for SEO, and discuss the best practices to avoid black hat um, techniques, you know, summarize. So all those uh, kind of action sentences can then be copied and added back to perplexity or chat GPT and ask them to give you some additional guidelines of what the content should be for that paragraph or that subsection. So the assistant is really helping you accelerate the point where you could sit down put your favorite music on, have a glass of wine if it's the right time of day, and start to create content with your own real tone of voice. In a strategic, structured way that takes into account all the aspects of great content, mm -hmm. which is which is the, the bit that is missing in a lot of cases for, unless you're, you know, unless you're a, unless you write content for a living, um, then, then there's often lots of gaps in terms of what that content needs to deliver. So, yeah, very clever. Do you like uh, it? Well, it's integrated with AI, so of course I like it. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's be honest. <laughs> no, absolutely. But for me, that, that's what it's all about. Because if I close on that saying, you, I could have said to perplexity.ai, 
write the article for me. But then the amount of time I've spent re-editing the article because it didn't sound right or didn't sound like me or there was lots of things missing, it's just not worth it. You're much better off asking the assistant to guide you and give you the structure, the framework, the wireframes, if you will, so that you can then really um, spend your time being creative and, and get get that just reward. And and ultimately, the, the, the thing here is, is that if you were just to get it to write it for you, there's a number of elements that are missing in terms of the process. So, for example, one of the things that I really uh, enjoy doing, for example, podcasts like this, creating content right now, it gets me thinking, it gets me reflecting, it gets me learning. And if you were to ask the tool just to write it for you, if I asked the tool to do this podcast for me, which you you can, I could get an AI to be to be my avatar to 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 fully do this. Um, and but but where's you know I'll lose the learning, I'll lose the reflecting, um, I'll uh, uh, and I'll lose that thinking, and 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 those are really important. And if anything, it just helps you bring more strategy to all of those things. So yeah, I think it might be time for our next segment, which is the website call to action. <laughs> The website call to action, this is the one change, the one adjustment that you should be making right now to make a website work smarter for you, but also for you to feel prouder of your website. So, Johnny, what is your call to action? When did you last test the forms on your website? Forms fail all the time. They fail with regard to um, whether it be uh, spam captures breaking, whether it be uh, email uh, SMTPs breaking, whether it be uh, fields not being validated correctly, all sorts of different things. It could be that um, across different browsers, perhaps, or different devices, maybe suddenly uh, WordPress has an update which suddenly stops a particular form not no longer work on a mobile device. So when did you last test your forms? When did you last validate all the fields to make sure they're working correctly? Uh, when did you make sure that the uh, content, the data is being sent to the right place? Did you test it against different browsers, different devices? And more importantly, check that the email notifications that perhaps tell you that someone's tried to speak to you or tells the user that you're going to be in touch, make sure that you've checked the email notifications are working as well. So my quick tip for today, website call to action, is test your website forms. Thank you very much. So wise. I've seen a situation where customers even had autoresponders giving contact details of people who have moved on from the organization. <laughs> so there was also false information. So yeah, very, very important to be done. I would say monthly, give that to someone to do for you. Mine is actually inspired by the uh, website stories, this SEO uh, for kind of uh, on online traffic. And this is all about checking the source and origin of your inbound links and also citations. So where is your brand 
and the individuals working for you when are they mentioned in an article potentially that doesn't have a, a link. So what I would do is, is check the, the source and origin, different ways you can, you can just Google yourself, you can look at your dashboard, make a list, and then as a collective with your colleagues, look at the online brands and the platforms and decide whether or not two things, should they be highlighted on your website, a bit of a PR kind of pushing, you know, we are featured in, that could be an, an interesting one, you can make it a press release, but I would saw add you know, the, the reference to those brands and platforms in your sales communication or your pitch deck. But importantly, I would then get in touch back with them and say, well, thank you very much. You know, we have a backlink, we have a, a citation, we have a small reference. Shall we collaborate on content together? Because right now it's working you know, for, for us. We're getting traffic from you. We need to you know, perhaps amplify and stimulate even more traffic so we collaborate and create some interesting content together. So check the source of your inbound links and citation and then come up with a strategic move to get more value from them. What an episode. Uh, lots of content yet again. Uh, we have been discussing website wireframes. Why do we need website wireframes? How helpful are they? Uh, we talked about how they uh, really help you get the clarity of vision. They help you uh, think about the customer journey. We talked about website stories and and we the, we heard what the experts said around SEO techniques. We realized that a lot of it was common sense. It was about updating your content on a regular basis. It was about creating backlinks to your website, doing partnerships and collabs, and get, jumping on that hyper-local search engine optimization. In the website engine room, we talked about two apps. There was perplexity.ai. All of these apps will be in the show notes with clickable links. Uh, we talked about perplexity.ai to really strategically have a digital assistant help you write content. We talked about Framer, going back to the uh, wireframe. Framer was a great prototyping tool that really brought your designs to life. And then lastly, of course, we talked about the website call to action. We just heard Pascal talking about uh, finding the source and the origin of your uh, inbound links and citations and how you can then use that data to uh, collaborate or to produce more content or produce press releases. Uh, and I talked about when did you last check your forms on your website? Make sure that if someone wants to contact you, that your form at least works. Uh, that Pascal, <laughs> hearing, hearing all of the uh, content that we've gone through today, any reflection or any thoughts on what we've discussed? Well, the thought is, how do we manage to pack this in in half an hour? This is my, my first question because I'm more familiar with long-form content, as people know. So this is just great. Um, and for me, it's just that constant reinforcement that, therefore, it's achievable. It is within uh, everyone's reach to get the website to work harder for you and to feel proud of your website again. You need systems in place. You need, obviously, I think generally a team effort. I don't think it's just one person who really needs to get behind what is essentially the most important investment for your virtual uh, representation online and your reputation. Guys, I'm afraid that is it for today. That was episode 12 of our new podcast series, the audio companion to the 90-day website mastery program. For more information, please visit 90daymarketingmastery.com and you'll be able to book your discovery call with either myself and Pascal. We'll be back with another episode. In the meantime, feel free to send your questions, share your preferred apps and links to your website once you've made those changes we spoke about, because we'd love to give you a shout out. But for now, bye everyone. And we'll leave you with a fun video and audio montage 
whilst you go through your notes and actions. Take care. Thank you.